You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, he's just, he's very much locked in. He's putting great swings on the ball. He, uh... Uh, I think is, uh, you know, probably even at that point where he's not thinking about it much. He's just going out there and playing. He's just reacting. And uh, what he's doing is uh, is obviously uh, very nice to see. I think he's feeling very confident. He's hitting the ball really hard. That, of course, Rocco Baldelli, Twins manager on a red-hot Byron Buxton. Welcome into Talking Twins. Zolgad, Jake DePew, as always, on Mondays. And uh, executive producing, doing a fantastic job, our guy, Declan Goff, uh, the Twins are supposed to open a four-game series today as we record this on Monday against the Boston Red Sox. That will not take place, at least today. The game has been postponed after uh, the tragic events in Brooklyn Center on Sunday. We don't know when the Twins are going to play next again. The assumption as we record this is Tuesday, um, but we'll certainly be looking back at what happened uh, in recent days with the Twins. But we want to do at least acknowledge what is going on uh, here in town, which is obviously Jake DePew far more important than the sport of baseball. It is. And it's, it's, it feels weird now to, to just do a baseball podcast. And I mean, that's what we're going to do, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to dive too far into this other than to just say, I think it was the right decision. And I think athletes and sports as a platform and they're using it. And I think that's a good thing. And I know a lot of people disagree with me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, sir. Um, so let's get to in the trans in the awkward transition that we're about to do. Let's get to uh, the baseball side of things. And I've decided that today's show is going to open with a segment called "Leading Off with Jake DePew," because the only message I got from you in your list of notes of um, topics for this show was I want to talk about or lead with the Twins, Rocco, I believe you said, and the front office. And so I'm going to turn the platform of the Talking Twins podcast, I am going to hand the ball to you and allow you to run with your thoughts on those topics. All right. So obviously there's a lot to get to. Um, that's why it's, that's why you're leading off. <laughs> no, I like this new segment. So I think... What bothers me about the last few days, these extra inning losses uh, in particular, but but yesterday too, is in my opinion, <clears throat> and I think Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have done a great job. They seem like really good guys. I'm not advocating for firing them. They've turned around the franchise. Um, but I do think that they're not putting the team in the best position to win uh, because I think they're holding down Kirilov due to service time. I, I can't prove that, but I think it's service time manipulation. Um, and I think we've seen a number of situations in the last couple of games where having Kirilov would have really helped. In particular, uh, Saturday's game where they pinch hit Asadio for Kyle Garlic, which I didn't understand that move at all. But can you imagine having Kirilov on the bench uh, to, to pinch hit in that situation? And he would have been on the bench if he was on the roster because he wouldn't have started against a lefty that game. Um, and so that's just, you know, that's one situation 
where it was very clear that they didn't have a player who could really help them uh, for no other reason that I can think of other than service time manipulation. Now, they'll say he had a bad spring. I'll say 30 at-bats in spring training means nothing. Uh, so so that bothers me. Service time manipulation just as a general principle bothers me, and it really bothered me when they did it to Buxton in 2018, and, and I think they're doing it again. So uh, that's my rant on the front office and Alex Kirilov. As far as Rocco, again, all the same things. I think he's a good manager. I don't think he should be fired, anything like that. Uh, But I do think he's made some strange moves. uh, And I think it's cost them in these, in these close games. Um, I think again, on Saturday, that Astadio move, you know, I get that he, he puts the ball in play, but like Kyle Garlick is on the roster for one reason, because he's a pure hitter. That's his. That's the skill that he brings. Now he mashes lefties, but he does well against righties too. Um, I know his career numbers against righties in the big leagues aren't—they're not great in a tiny sample size. In 2019, he had an op- uh, a, a slugging percentage over a thousand at AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's the PCL, but still against right-handed pitching. Um, so to me, that that move made no sense. I want garlic in there every time. I also didn't understand bringing Colome back after he'd just thrown 24 pitches the day before and hadn't looked good the day before um, in yesterday's game. Now that's second guessing because he gave up the lead, obviously, but uh, Robles looked great in the eighth inning. I think he'd only thrown like 12 pitches. 11 pitches, um, nine strikes. Ele- thank you. And and with, right. the rest of the bull- with the rest of the bullpen taxed, uh, to me, it, it made perfect sense to bring Robles out for a second inning there uh, rather than bring in Colome who again had thrown a lot of pitches and was facing the top of the order and hasn't looked good this season. Um, so again, it's second guessing. If it had worked out, we'd be talking about Buxton uh, and not all of these things, but it didn't work out. And in my opinion, it was because of uh, mismanagement uh, in those game situations by Rocco. Good job, Ben. <laughs> that was a good job. I mean, no, but I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to cram in. Um, you have opened up Pandora's box. And I would like to, so so I feel like I'm on a game show right now. And I can pick the Kirloff box. I can pick um, the pitching box. Or I can pick just the general, what are you doing, Rocco box. Okay? So I'm going to open, let's see here. I'm tempted to open door two, but I'm not going to yet at least. That can come later in this show. I'm going to open door three. And I'm going to, I want to talk about something that I don't think is second guessing at all. I think it's first guessing of something that you had a season to work with. And I, quite frankly, I think it's the most confusing thing about Rocco Baldelli's uh, decision-making in-game strategy. Extra innings. Okay? Jake, I'd like to go there. Mm-hmm. Extra innings. All right. And, and I know that there are some people that vehemently disagree with what I'm about to say. But I find the strategies that we have found about the fact that we start the 10th, and that's what we do, okay? Too bad. If if you don't like it, that's fine. But it's how we start the 10th with a guy on second base. Jake, I feel that it is very equivalent as far as altering your brain philosophy about your sport to what um, hockey coaches had to go through for three-on-three OT. Because it's still the game. Like, it's not a home run derby. It's not a shootout. But it definitely takes different strategies and different thought processes than you put in, into place in hockey in the first three periods or in baseball in innings one through nine. So what I don't understand is it's become crystal clear to me that the goal should be, like if, I, if it's me, the goal should be I don't need to score five runs here. 
Like it's unnecessary for the most part. I'm sure it'll happen once in, in a while. But what I need to do is I need to score a run or preferably two runs. But I'm playing for that, okay? And the Twins are 0-3, and I know that the guys now at Valley Sports North have decided that the whole format's completely unfair, blah, blah, blah. But the Twins are 0-2 on the road and 0-1 at home. So they have found ways to lose in, in as both the visiting team and the home team. Why is Rocco treating this after a year of watching it and now we're into three games into 2021, year two. Why does he treat this like it is the eighth or the seventh? It's like he's waiting for, oh, yeah, where's the hit? Oh, once we get the hit, we'll score that run. Um, I have found a few things confusing. One, go back to Detroit. Nelson Cruz singles to right. Polanco's on second. They don't send him. They don't send them as if they're playing for, we got to score a bunch of runs. No. Try and score that that run. Make the guy in right field make a perfect throw. On Saturday, the Mariners, to me, put on a tutorial in what you do. And I know we hate the bunt now, right? But the idea is get the guy to third, try to get that guy in. Like, let's start with getting one guy in. And the Twins, again, are like, we're sending our guys up there. To your point, Ostadi is going to come up and he's going to swing and he's going to get a hit. It's quite obvious to me, and I am not Baldelli, okay, and you're not either. But it's become obvious that there should be that there needs to be a different thought process and strategy here. Why are you not putting that into place? Like, what's so hard to absorb about the fact that once you get to the tenth, the game changes? It just does. The circumstance changes. I personally think it makes it fun. A lot of people hate it. What do you think? Well, I agree with most of what you said. Another thing that bothers me about it, look, you know, watching the, the post-game presser with Baldelli, and again, I like Rocco. I think he and I would have a lot in common. We could probably, hmm. um, fi- uh, you know, uh, we, we would uh, relax well together, I guess I'll say. Um, but uh, <laughs> but, I, but what really bothers me about his post-game press conferences, or at least yesterday, oh, I'm sorry, on Saturday, is he was kind of complaining about this rule change, you know, saying it's not, you know, it's artificial and it's not uh, what we're used to playing and it's almost anticlimactic. And to me, it's like, dude, take a little accountability. Like those 10th inning situations, that's when the manager really comes into play. Like the, the manager's job is never more important than the moves he makes in, in those situations, I don't think, you know. And, and the fact is they've played three extra inning games and they haven't scored a single run, you know. So, like, if you're Rocco, say, you know what? I need to maybe reevaluate some things. I need to do a better job of, of making some of these decisions. Um, and, and it's just the lack of accountability that, that that really bothers me. You know, like, just admit you screwed up. Like, we all screw up, you know, or we make decisions that don't work out. And, like, I get the, I get the rationale behind most of the decisions. Like, I don't agree with pinch hitting Asadio, but I get the rationale that he puts the ball in play. But, like, at least acknowledge, like, yeah, we've sucked so far in these situations. Instead, he says it's 10 at bats and I'm not going to, I'm not going to evaluate anything based on 10 at bats. Well, those are 10 of the most important bats of the year. You've lost three of your <laughs> three, yes. four games, it's three wins potentially. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, just, just acknowledge it, man. You know, it's the same thing with the, the 18 game losing streak last year. They didn't, you know, the last couple of years in the past, they didn't even want to acknowledge it. It's like, I, I don't understand that. We all make mistakes. Just admit it. Stare it down. It. I agree completely. Yeah. 
But but I mean, yeah. al- also change your thought process. Play small ball. Like you need yeah. to. You need. You're you're not playing for four runs. You're just not. It's okay. But but like in the bottom of the tenth against the M's on Saturday, you knew the stakes. You had to score one run, and then mm-hmm. get it to the eleventh, and then we'll go through the exercise again. And it was as if he's like, well, if the base, he's still playing normal baseball when we've altered the rules. So, like, you, I don't care. The point is, I like it. Lots of people don't. Doesn't matter what we think at this point. What matters is how do you adapt to it, right? Right. And here's, here's again, I know we're harping on one decision, but the Asadio over garlic thing, the strategy there, if, they're, if you're not going to bunt with Asadio, then the strategy is, take three shots at, at knocking in the runner from second. Well, who do you think has a better shot at getting a hit? Kyle Garlick, who's only on the roster no, right. because of his ability to hit, or, or Astadio, yep. you know, who puts the ball in play, but, you know, his numbers aren't aren't as good as Garlick's, um, you, you know, historically, and, and in the minors and all of those things. Like, uh, So, like, that, that, that's what I didn't understand. I, I figured when they pinch hit Astadio, he was going to lay down a bunt, you know? And so if you're not going to do that, like, put Garlick in there. He's a, He's a very good hitter. You know, like it, it, that just made no sense to me. I agree on setting Polanco too. That's the second guess. You know, and if if they knock him in, but you should always send would... that guy. Like unless he, unless it's I mean, a left field and the guy is going to be out by a mile. Like if the ball goes to right field, right, and the mm-hmm. guy can run on second at all, you got to send him because you need that because that's you're not playing for anything but that one run. So like you, yeah. so it has to be like, if it's a ball to left and he's going to get gunned, don't do it. But Nelson Cruz hits that ball to right. It's not a second guess to say your strategy in spring training should have been, if that happens, Tony Diaz, you got to send him. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like that ball was, I know Nelson Cruz hits the ball hard generally, but uh, that was, that was a ground ball um, through the infield. I feel like Polanco would have scored on that, you know, 80%. It would have taken an absolutely perfect play to get him. He can make the throw. Yes. Yeah, and instead they put the contact play on, uh, and Polanco was thrown out by ten feet. The the other benefit of sending Polanco on the cruise single is it puts pressure on the defense, and you know there's a chance that ball gets away mm-hmm. in that play at the plate, and Cruz is able to advance the second, and then you bring in a pinch runner for him, and it's like you're starting the inning again with a runner on second. I, I know that's really going a couple steps uh, sort of down the line, but like, uh, yeah, I, they should have sent him there, they, like. It, it, what that ball was not scorched um, right. to, to the point that he would have been thrown out. I know there were no outs, um, but that that was a mistake. And, and the bottom line is, this is a very good team that's only five and four uh, because they've they've haven't handled extra innings well and they haven't handled the ninth inning well uh, at least yesterday. Um, and those are those are partly on the manager. Complaints are done for now. I want to turn the discussion to one of the most exciting things in in Twins baseball. In recent years, probably the start of Byron Buxton. How much fun, how much for all of those who are like, God, Mackie and Declan and Jake and Judd are negative and they're picking at the twins and they don't like this team. Honest to God, how much fun is this to watch? It's an unbelievable amount of fun. I, I, I love watching Buxton. And, you know, Judd and I were texting about this yesterday, but like his st- his story and the way he's developed has been so interesting. There've been so many um, ups and downs in his career and you know, you never know what these guys are actually like, but he seems like a good guy and he deserves this because he's gotten a lot of crappy luck along the way. And he, and he got 
you know, set, he didn't get called up in 2018 for service time, all of these things. Um, and for him to, to, to really be putting it together. And let's be honest, he's, he put it together in 2019, 2022, 2020 as well. He just got hurt. Um, but this is like, I mean, he's the best player in baseball right now. I tweeted that. I mean, he is, he is, I think he leads, no, he leads the league in, in OPS. I bet. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain. Um, I know he's tired for the league lead in home runs. Uh, and he's playing gold glove center field. Like I, I just love, I love everything about this. Um, he's, he's for sure my, my favorite player on that team to watch and has been throughout the years. And I'm glad he's putting it all together. If he stays healthy, <laughs> if he plays at 140 games, I'm knocking on at, wood at, right now. I know, I know. But at anywhere close to this level, yep. he it's you know it's him and Mike Trout for the MVP. You know they're they're, they're battling for the MVP. So um, it's great to see, man. And uh, he seems super confident. I loved his comments post game when he was like, "I don't care about the MVP. I want a ring." It's part of why I've loved Buxton for a long time, and and I'm happy to see that he's having success. I'm happy that Twins fans get to see. Um, you know what he can do, and uh, phew, the sky's the limit for him. He is punishing baseballs, Jake. He is punishing mm-hmm. like, like he is taking out what you know five years of frustration, right? Against probably the Twins, against every against the injuries. He when he hits the ball now, he's not like, oh, that's a nice single. He is punishing the ball. That home run was Snowian when Snow was going well. That thing mm-hmm. was crushed. He is crushing the baseball this is so much fun to watch and i mean and this is this is this is like the dream right like to go back on buxton and be like who can he be and what can this be like and and blah 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 and i mean this, this is a guy who a long time ago a lot of us said dude just hit 250 because you're so good in the field and you're so fast you know just hit 250 this guy oh my god it's everything being put together um I, I have my fingers crossed that he stays healthy, that things go well, because it just feels it. It's another case of, and th- this is true with Kaprizov, with the Wild, with a few things. It's another case of Minnesota Twins fans deserve this. Like they deserve this. They've waited for this. This is right now, this is a superstar player. Small sample size. I don't know what's going, you know, if he can stay on the field. I hope he can. But what we're seeing right now is a superstar player. I just am so enamored with going to the ballpark to watch this. Yeah, and you're right. Minnesota sports fans deserve, they deserve, Minnesota sports fans deserve a lot, to be honest. Um, I keep saying. They've been shortchanged for a long time. Uh, But yes, he is. Uh, appointment viewing you know even if you only have the game on kind of in the background when he comes up to play up to the plate you watch because he's has a good chance of doing something spectacular it kind of reminds me of moss um when he came into the league because it was it's he was such a unique player yeah randy moss was um and bucks and that's you know you don't see a lot of players like buxton that have that level it's almost no players really that have that level of speed and combine it with power and elite defense uh it's fantastic. And if we get to watch this over the next six months or hopefully seven months, um, we're in for a treat. So best case too. what's the potential contract here? Like, what is this guy worth? This guy that we're watching right now. I mean, it's so tough because of his injury. History, I know, you know, but I'm just saying like, so let's say hard. he can get through a, you know, if, if, if this is, if something close to this, cause he'll, he'll cool off some, but like if, if something close to this is him, 
what is that player worth? Because the speed will be declining, uh, but the fact that he seemingly now at the plate has put it together and his at-bats are great, I, you know, that's swinging it terrible at the terrible first pitch in the dirt seems to be gone. My God, the value of this guy would be absolutely through the, the roof and worth paying. Now, you're right. The team's going to come back and say, but you've been hurt. But I will be. I'd be so curious to see what that exchange uh, between the team and the player would be like. Yeah. And if you could somehow guarantee, which you can't, but if you could somehow guarantee that he stays healthy over the next five years, um, then you're looking at a player who would deserve a contract on the level of Fernando Tatis, uh, you know, Trout, some just these monster contracts. I mean, that's the type of guy that he is when he's healthy. Like, and, and if this power is for real, and I think it is because he showed power the last couple of years, even when his speed declines, he's going to, you yeah. know, just transition, still transition into uh, a, an incredible hitter. Um, it, like, he, it's not like he steals that many bases anyways, really. You know, I mean, he, I think he has one steal on Stolen the Stolen bases are sort of dead o- overall. Yeah. They've yeah. stolen a and, few this year, but. And obviously the speed declining will hurt his defensive value a little bit, but he's still going to be able to play center field for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, if he stays healthy, he's up there with the, the greats in the game and he should get a, a you know, two, $300 million contract. Um It'll be it'll be really really interesting to see how those negotiations go because it's it's talent um, and ability versus the injury history and it's 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 just you can't predict what's going to happen in the future with the injuries. Flip side to that, my man, what do you do? Miguel Sano is at o ninety one. This has been this has now been nine games, so I get it. Sample size is incredibly small, but he did not have a good twenty. 20 in the I think he played 53 of the 60 regular season games um what do you do here because the answer that I came up with without being dramatic and drastic like I don't think they're going to release him they can't send him down um and if you try to trade him right now you're going to get nothing Jake so my response was I think you need to find a way at least for now not to play him every day because this to me feels futile. Like you're sending him up at this point, I really think to fail. There will be hot streaks. I get that, but they're always like within two weeks, right? And it's baseball. So I don't, I don't see how it's fair to Miguel Sano or the team to run him out on a daily basis, just trying to come up with a solution that is actually realistic as opposed to the camp that says keep playing them it's going to be great or the camp that says he's a bum release him yeah i mean obviously you're not going to release him because you're on the hook for his contract um and, and they signed him to a fairly you know a three-year 30 million dollar extension so um and he's he's due that next year too but yeah i mean i, I I don't think you can keep playing him every day. The counter argument to that is you have to let him work through this to get to those hot streaks, you know? I mean, and that has happened in the past where he's looked awful and then, and then flipped the switch uh, and looked great for a while. To me, the solution is Alex Kirilov, you know, that you call Kirilov up um, and maybe you do a platoon for a while where you have Sano hitting against lefties and, and Kirilov hitting against righties, which gives the majority of the at-bats to Kirilov. Uh, and if Sano gets hot, um, then, then you know, you you move guys around and and you get to know in the lineup more. But um, I might I might give him every day at bats for another week. Uh, but 
this is bad. I mean, it's costing them games, you know, like he came up yesterday with uh, runners in scoring position, I think three different at bats, you know, um, and a couple of them were with less than two outs and he couldn't get any of them in. Yeah. And that ended up costing them the game. Absolutely. You know, they could have buried them. You're exactly right. They could have buried mm-hmm. them and they couldn't. Yeah. Get- yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at one point Kepler was on second with nobody out, and I think Sano like bounced back to the pitcher. Um, I'd have to double check that, nope. but um, yeah, That's correct. Yeah, so like, yeah, so it, um, it, it's just it's just not a good situation. But but Kirilov solves that because he can play first base. So uh, you know, April sixteenth, <laughs> which is when they can call him up without you know losing the year right. um, of service time. That's, I guess, when I think they should call. I mean, I think they should call them up today. But if you're going to do the service time game, then call them up April 16th and do a platoon. Yep. And I, I think you so I think there are some days that you could go Sano at first. OK. Arise at third to rest Josh, which they're going to have to to do. Josh cannot. Josh can't come back and just play. So some days you go Sano, Arise, Kirloff in left, possibly, possibly. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then some games. Kirloff at first, Arise in, in left, Josh at third. Because I do think with with uh, D- Donaldson, there's going to have to be a workaround on playing time. Like, you're going to have to be, you can't just come back and say, oh, he's fine now. So I think that there is a way to make that work. And again, I think it's a realistic way to keep Sano with the team, get him at bats, get him playing time, but not send him up to the plate every single day now to look awful. And I mean, I, I really am to the point of this is not fair to people like this is not. And, and okay. So Jake, let's say we get to June and from June 1st through the 15th, he goes crazy. We always see this. He then comes back down to earth. He slows down a bit and then the bad habits start to come back. Right. And all of a sudden he's scuffling. So the only thing that I and and he now has a tendency to scuffle for months on end. So the only thing that I can think of is possibly the option is less is more. Yeah, and I also think in in situations like he's in right now where he's in this, you know, these just extended slumps that are just awful to watch. I think if you are going to start him uh, and he hasn't made solid contact all game, then you should pinch hit for him late in the game. You know, Phil they, said they the same thing. They could have pinch hit, yeah. That's what they could have pinch hit for him in the in the eighth inning uh, on Saturday, uh, and they didn't. Um, and he made an out uh, in a key spot, and th- you know, so like, yeah, give him a couple of at bats. If he's looking good, then you keep him in. Otherwise, you you pinch hit. Unfortunately, there's nobody on the bench to pinch hit right now because they have 14 well, pitchers. Get one of those pitchers out of here. Yeah. What? Why? 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 Do you, why do you have 14? Rocco's not going to use the last guy unless it's a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree completely. Sorry, <laughs> no, I I, I mean, got it's worked just, up there. Uh, well, it, it's just ridiculous that they don't have any of uh, any late game options when they're playing all these close games. Like, you know, and they traded away. It's like outfield death. We heard for so long about outfield death, outfield death, outfield death. Well, now you know they have they're forced to start Jake Cave uh, in left field. You know, for a bunch of these games because they traded away Jalen Davis. They traded away Lamont Wade. You know. Um, and so, and they're not calling up Kirilov. So all of a sudden out, you know, they're, they're short on outfielders, you know, they're starting garlic and, and cave, yep. uh, because they traded away all these guys and they won't, and they won't call up Kirilov. So, um, they've put themselves in a difficult spot and it's even harder again, like you said, with the 14 pitchers. All right. Last thing, 
I want to go back to the positives. You see, we're going negative, positive, negative. Andrelton Simmons provides, and as a baseball fan, I love this. So Buxton is the sexy thing, right? Like that's the, oh, wow, this is great to watch. But the subtlety of baseball exists to me now at shortstop for the Twins. Simmons ain't flashy consistently. Like he does make the great play, but you know what else he does? He takes control. He makes the routine play. When there is a pop-up on the left side of the infield or shallow left field, he takes control. I cannot tell you my appreciation and how much fun I think it is personally to watch that. Angelton Simmons provides a captain in the infield that the Twins have not had in ages, and he brings intangibles. I'll give you one. So the, the play in Detroit where they where, – where Diving Jake dove and missed the ball. Now, to Cave's credit, got right up and through. I think they were talking about this on the telecast. Simmons was in the cutoff position originally at a different place, and he saw what was happening. So he changed his positioning because he knew if Cave got the ball that the throw was going to come a different direction. Okay? Like just, I mean, inside baseball stuff. But Jake DePew, how great is this to see, and it's no rip on Polanco. He was never meant to play shortstop long-term, but just the subtlety of having a guy defensively who's this sound. I mean, I've dreamed about, you know, being able to watch a guy like this defensively every day for a long time. Cause you know, I mean, we have Buxton, but, uh, and he is elite of course, but uh, it's a little bit different with outfielders with infielders. There's just so much more involved that they get more balls and, um, yeah, but just the little nuances, the little subtleties, like you were saying in his game, are just so exceptional. They're so exceptional. That relay throw he made, I think it was in Detroit. That's one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw. Just, oh my god, it was just so good. And he does take control. He's not like remember when the Twins like a decade ago sent down Jason Bartlett. And they said he was it was because he wasn't taking control enough in the. Yeah, Guardy got the really NCAA. mad. Yes, he yeah, wasn't yeah. the captain. He's supposed to be the captain. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to worry about that with Simmons. Um, I don't care if he hits, you know, 220 this year. Like, he is so valuable. Uh, and, and, yeah, the plays he makes, the, just the little plays that he makes that, that most guys don't make, uh, those add up. You know, he saves you a ton of runs. I mean, if you look at defensive run save, if you want to get into analytics and all those types of metrics, I mean, he leads the, the league by a wide margin over the last, like, five years. Uh, so he, he he's incredible to watch, just incredible. Um and you're right. It's not the spectacular plays. It's not like the diving plays as much. I mean, he does do that too, but it's the little things. He's a really, really smart. Yes. He has a really high baseball IQ, really yes. high baseball IQ. Uh, and you can just tell that he is going through every scenario before it happens. Like, do you remember that play last year when Luis Arise messed up that, that triple play and only got one out and it ended up being a oh, yeah. key play? Yes. Like, Simmons makes that play without even thinking about it. Right. You know, you're like right. he's made that play in his head. Before the ball ever gets hit, he to sees him, it you know? developing. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. right, and so I just yeah, I I, lo- I was so excited when they signed him. I also think he um, changes. I also think he changes um, his approach on throws because if he makes a routine play, he will just sort of get the ball there. Like, and at first I thought, I wonder if his arm's not as good as I thought, but then the relay throw in Detroit was a fastball. I think he actually is at a point where he he if he has to put zip on the ball he does, but he knows he doesn't have to every single time. Like I think he's that smart. 
and calculate. Exactly. Exactly. And that also benefits Polanco a lot. Like I feel like Polanco is going to learn a ton from him because he, um, he he's a great offensive player. I know he's struggling right now. Great offensive player for a middle infielder, but he doesn't seem to have those same kind of instincts. Um, and I just think, you know, him and, and Arise and all of these guys will learn a lot from just, even if it's just one year with Simmons. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he makes everybody better. And it's like up the middle defense with Buxton and Simmons. You, you couldn't possibly ask for um, anything better than that. And and their defense, other than opening day, has been has been really good and, and has saved them a, a few times. It's so much fun to watch this, though, because that, that position is so important. And I've, I feel like the Twins have spent how long now? Sort of just, get, you know, getting by. They're not awful all the time. I mean, Polanco did try. Uh, but they're certainly not great. But I mean, this this is this is the example of what you can have, and it's just such an upgrade. And I didn't realize until I've started to watch Simmons on a daily basis. I didn't realize how much you enjoy the nuance of it. Like I knew the big play was fun, but it's just the little stuff. And you flash back to the last couple of years, and you're like, Polanco does not make that play. So, final thoughts. It's a duty. Well, just real quick on Simmons, that's the beauty yep. of baseball is the nuance, right? The little things. And Absolutely. he does that stuff better than, than anybody. Um, final thoughts. Well, I, I do want to, you know, this can be part of my final thought, but the starting rotation, we haven't really talked about it much. It's been it's been outstanding. You know, I know Shoemaker uh, kind of melted down in the six. I actually thought it was a good move to bring him back out. I didn't have a problem with that. But do the same thing with Barrios and Maeda if you're going to do it with Shoemaker. But um the starting rotation has been has been really really good, uh, and, and if those guys stay healthy, and I know Shoemaker is a big question mark in that regard, but if they stay healthy all year, um, I think they're going to have one of the better starting rotations in the league, uh, and that will help save the bullpen again if they let these guys actually extend out a little bit more. You know, part of the reason the bullpen was so taxed yesterday is because they pull everybody. Why after did Pineda get pulled then? I don't know. I don't know. What was his pitch count at? 70 something. And he could have gone. To, and, and look, I am not advocating for 115 pitches, okay? But 90 ish? And like, yeah. so if you, Pineda was pitching pretty well, I thought. So if you bring him back and get him up to approximately 90 pitches, right? That saves the bullpen for Sunday then. Like, I just, exactly. I, I'm exactly. just, I'm confused at the philosophy of when guys get pulled. Especially when the bullpen is potentially a, a, not a weak spot, but not as strong as your starting rotation. You know, I, right. I do still think there are question marks with Colome Duffy. Duffy, um, his velo has been down a little bit. Uh, he's more sitting 92, 93 instead of 94, 95, 96. Um, and so if that's a, a little bit of a question mark for you, then it makes even more sense to push those starters one extra inning. And guys like Pineda um, and, and J-Hap and Shoemaker, they're on one-year deals. It, you know, it's not like you're trying to develop them, you know, over a long period of time and keep them fresh. Like, it, it's okay if you want to kind of burn them a little bit. And Pineda, uh, I would burn because he's a horse, I think. Right. Like, he's right. a guy who looks like he can go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I would hope that we'll see them extended more as the weather gets warmer and they get more built up. But uh, the Twins have been a little... There are a lot of question marks in terms of their philosophy on on how much they're willing to push their starters. What what is your bullpen rotation right now? So if if you were to talk to Rocco and say Colome scuffling, not pitching well, it doesn't mean he's you know not part of the plan. How would you unveil the bullpen right now in the most important situation? I send Rocco these emails every day and he never responds. So, um, but yeah, if I was talking to Rocco, uh, too busy listening to fish. 
<laughs> I would um, Rogers would be num- my my number one, uh, and then I think probably Duffy two, Robles three, uh, Colome four. But I'm really intrigued by Jorge Alcala. You know, he he throws He's gas. He, he looked he looked good last year. It seemed like he was figuring things out. Closing. Rogers. Rogers, yeah, yeah, but I do think it depends on matchups. Like I do agree with the Twins on that. Like if if you have a one run lead and you have and there are three lefties due up in the middle of the lineup, I've no problem bringing Rogers in the seventh instead of the ninth. Um, but yeah, if it's if 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 all of those conditions are kind of neutral, um, then I want I want Rogers closing. What what about you guys? Mm, yeah, I probably do. My my only thing is that that the philosophy in baseball has changed so much to bring guys into important situations in like the seventh and, and the eighth. You know, I think right now I would probably try to back end with Rogers and this might sound crazy, but he's pitched well Robles. I really yeah. like how he's thrown. Yeah. I really do. Um I think I would give Colome a week of like in the sixth or seventh just to get him sort of right. Like he he looks like he's new. Like he looks like and I don't know I don't know. I mean Chicago might have just said we're out. He's fried for, I don't know, but he also looks like he's just scuffling. And so I would give him like the sixth or seventh at times. I'd give Duffy the eighth. And I think right now I would back end it with Robles and Rogers. So for now, but I, I mean, that can change too. Um, it just, it, it appears there's, it's weird. It's like they feel that they need to use Colome in the ninth, despite the fact that they know he's not pitching great, which I guess I'm confused by because I thought that the whole thing of not naming a closer was to truly have that be a fluid um, spot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's part of Rocco saying we have, you know, doing that thing that he does where he, you know, wants to show his players that they, they have confidence in them. And that's part of the reason they keep bringing Colome back after these rough outings. But, but, you, but I mean, this gives you not naming a start or a closer gives you license to pull the plug and be like, Oh, sorry, you're just going to pitch the seventh. Yeah. Like I thought that's why they did it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm so, with you. It's weird. It, it's um it, it's an evolving situation for sure. I I, I think, at some point, they're going to need, uh, you know, a, a, an arm to to step up uh, from the from the minor leagues. You know, whether that's a, a starter like Bailey Ober or somebody like that. Um, at some point, they're going to need somebody to step in because I, I do think I do think the bullpen is a little bit thinner than last year. Probably for sure. Yep. Yeah. All yeah. right, Jake. Thanks much. Talk to you next week. Okay. All right. All right. I enjoyed it. Let's thanks. Guys. Talking twins for this week. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.